For the past two weeks, we've been in what we call our, our REACH conference, which really was, um, it had the, the goal of helping all of us understand that we, as a church family, have the responsibility to reach people with the gospel of, of, of Jesus Christ. All of us. Yes, we have global partners and they're out there doing all the stuff they're doing all over the world and thank God for them. And yes, we have our local partners and they're doing a specific work all around our town and thank God for all of them. But that doesn't let us off of the hook. You may not be in Tanzania, you may not be the director of the gospel mission, you may not head up the Modesto Pregnancy Center, do child evangelism fellowship, you may not do those things. But we all have the responsibility to reach people with this unbelievable message of Jesus Christ. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter five, he said, so we are Christ's ambassadors. Let's say that together. So we are Christ's ambassador. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Come back to God. Beloved, when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, it ruined everything. It caused human beings to run away from God, to, to hide from God. In fact, some of you here right now have been running so long, you've been hiding so long, you don't even believe in him anymore, do you? Maybe you're watching online. Because of what happened back in the Garden of Eden, you've been running and hiding to the degree you don't even believe in God anymore. You're here. You know, you're not hostile to the things of Christ or the church or whatever. You're here at least. But you're really not sure he's even real anymore. But God loved you so much, he cared about you so much, that he made sure that there would be some people, ambassadors, Christians, who would do their best to share with you the truth about God and the truth about you and the truth about sin and the truth about what sin did to your relationship with the very God that created you while you were inside your mother's womb. We do our best as ambassadors to tell you the truth of how you can fix the problem that sin brought. And that is simply through a relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. Now last week we had um, you know, uh, a number of our global partners here, as I said, and these are people and we support their salaries and, and, and we're praying for them and all that. They're ambassadors for Jesus in other countries. Todd Honeycutt was here and he spoke uh, from this pulpit last weekend. And um, let me just tell you something. If you weren't here, you, you, you missed something really, really weighty. And let me encourage you, with modern technology, you can go online and you can listen to the message or watch it for free. And if you're a part of this church, you need to do that. If, if um, you know, I don't know, three bucks is burning your hole in your pocket, you can go out to the resource center and actually purchase the DVD or the CD and, and listen to it. But if this is your church, if you really say, man, this is my church, when you tell your friends, hey, Big Valley Grace, that's my church, if this is your church, all of you need to make sure you listen to last week's message. It was really, it was really good. 
And so t take advantage of some of the modern technology that, that's out there. Uh, today, I'm, I'm gonna wrap up the conference by once again talking about the great responsibility that God has given all of us who name his name. And, and I'm gonna start in a kind of a weird way. I'm gonna just kind of lay something out for you, okay? Everybody take your Bibles and turn to John chapter eight, okay? John chapter eight. Beloved, when, when you became a follower of Jesus, when you gave your life over to Jesus and, and you became a, a, a Christian, a whole bunch of things changed in your life. Look at what Jesus said in verse 42 to a group of people who were not his followers, okay? These people were not Christians. He says to them in verse 42, Jesus told them, if God were your father, you would love me because I have come to you from God. I'm not here on my own, but the Father sent me. Why can't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you can't even hear me. For you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things that he does. <laughs> That's some weighty stuff. Those weren't my words. Those were the very words of, of Jesus. You see, before you gave your life to Jesus Christ, you had a different spiritual father and you were committed to carrying out his desires. Now, you, you didn't know it at the time. You weren't consciously thinking about it. You didn't wake up in the morning and go, you know, today I'm gonna carry out the wishes of the devil. N nobody did that. In fact, you didn't even believe that there was a devil, right? But make no mistake about it, Jesus was crystal clear here. Somehow you were a part of carrying out the purposes or the desires or the will of the evil one, whether you knew it or not. Jesus also made this powerful statement in Matthew chapter 12. He said, anyone who isn't with me opposes me. Anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. And once again, those are just really weighty words for, for, for us. God is giving us some, some really great data. For those of us who know the Lord, and I know that's about 99% of us in here, we're, we're learning something about how things were before we became a Christian. Now, once again, nobody wakes up in the morning thinking, okay, you know, I'm gonna do everything I can to mess up with Jesus Christ's plan for the world today. Nobody, nobody does that. Before I gave my life to Christ, I can't remember a time when I had a bad thought about God or a bad thought about Jesus Christ. I can't remember a time when I spent one moment thinking that I was somehow against Jesus or that I was somehow being used to mess up what Jesus was gonna do in the world. But God's word is clear, crystal clear, that there's no such thing as being neutral with God. You're either for him, you're a part of what he's trying to accomplish in the world, or you're against him. You're being used to somehow thwart what God wants to do in the world. I know that before I gave my life to Christ, I was a 
tool in the enemy's hands. And as I said, I didn't know it. If you would have told me that, you know what, I'd have said, you're, you're crazy. You guys can go to church and sing your little songs and put money in a basket if you want. Go out and feed the homeless. I'm all for that. That's a good thing. I'm not against Jesus. But obviously, when you look at the scriptures, these two passages in particular, where Jesus himself is telling us some things about our lives. Now, as I said earlier, everything changed the moment you gave your life over to Christ. And one of the huge things that changed was at the very moment you gave your life over to Jesus Christ, God adopted you into his family. You became a child of God. Now, what that means is, is that God became your father. He became your heavenly father. And he obviously has a way different agenda than the devil. He has a different purpose for your life than the devil had. He has a different will for your life than the devil had, you see? At the moment you gave your life to Christ, for some of you it might have been last week, last weekend here, you gave your life to Christ. A lot of things changed and you know, this is all new what I'm sharing. You're brand new in the Lord. God has this unbelievable plan for your life and it's way different than the plan that the enemy has for your life. Way different. Listen to these words of Jesus in Luke chapter 19. Jesus said, for the son of man, that's him, that's Jesus, he came to seek and to save what was lost. One of the great reasons why Jesus came. One of the great reasons why, you know, when you celebrate Christmas here in about, whatever it is, you know, 40 days. When you got that tree up and you got your lights around your house and you put that wreath up and you got all those presents and stuff, here's one of the reasons why he came. Here's why he was born in that little town called Bethlehem. He came, he was born to seek and to save that which is lost. Then Jesus said this in John chapter 17. He, he's praying and he says, Father, as you sent me into the world to seek and to save the lost, I have sent them into the world. Obviously here he's talking about his disciples, but that's anybody who names the name of Christ. I wanna make sure you get this, beloved. God so loved people that he sent his son, his only son, Jesus Christ, to seek and to save the lost. And in John 17, Jesus commissions you and I to join him in this search and rescue process, if you will. You're now one of his ambassadors. There's no wiggle room. You don't get a choice in this matter if you know Christ. Yes, we have people over, you know, in all the you know, four corners of, of the world. Thank God for those people. And thank God for these folks that wake up every day and they have a place to go and man, they've got the gospel in mind. But that doesn't let any of us off of the hook. 
Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And then he prays, Father, as you have sent me into the world, so I'm sending them. We're all called to be ambassadors. There was a time when I was lost. (laughs) And Jesus came to seek the lost. I was lost. I was just lost. I was headed for a Christless eternity. I was headed for hell. I was a tool in the enemy's hands. I didn't even know it. But because I was made in the very image of God, God so loved me, he sent his son to seek and to save the lost. Now obviously, I've never met Jesus personally. I've met him through the the pages of this book. I've met him at times through great songs, but I've never personally met him. But thank God, somebody um, took up Jesus' prayer here. They understood their role. 2,000 years later, somebody said, you know what? I have been sent into the world also. As the Father sent Jesus, Jesus has sent me. And so there were a number of guys, and I've mentioned their names to you before, Coach Burroughs, Chuck Fair, George Brown, the Allens. There were a couple of churches where the people of those churches took this this verse seriously. Uh, Manesto Covenant and First Baptist. Some people got it, they understood it, and though I've never met the one who came to seek and to save the lost, there were people there who told me about the one who came to seek and to save the lost. You see, none of those people could save me, but they could point me to the one who does save. You see? And I'm glad we got people all over the world pointing people to Jesus. Thank God for all of our local people that are pointing people to Jesus, but it doesn't let any of us off the hook. That's why the last three weeks when you've driven out of this parking lot, any of our exits, over there on you know the big slip ramps, any of our exits, there are those signs that say, you're now entering the mission field. Right now, this is a time when believers meet primarily, and I understand there are some of you here who don't know God. I went to church at times, and, but I didn't know him. Most of us in this room, obviously, are, are Christians. And when you get up out of your seat in a little bit and go enjoy meeting some of our local partners and all of that, you're gonna get in your car and you're gonna drive out this road, and when you hit Tully Road or you hit Pellendale Road, you're entering the mission field. That's it. This is just a great chance for us to get together and be encouraged and hear the word of God together and all that. Then we get up and we go out and we're to be his ambassadors. Jesus said this in Mark chapter 16. He said, he, Jesus, said to them, his followers, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. And that word preach there doesn't mean, you know, I... You know, I want you to, this may shock some of you, I don't walk around town with a pulpit. You know, and then every so often, you know, oh, hey, and I put it down and I just preach. What that word there means is simply just to proclaim it, just as you kind of go about life. 
One of the things I loved in our prayer time is Ted, uh, we were talking about, you know, his family and Noah and he, so casually, so it was like it was just a part of him. He opens up his wallet and flips through a picture or two and he pulls out, you know, the, the footprints of Noah when he was three days old. Hey, grandmas, grandpas, you know how you love, hey, somebody asked about your grandkids, oh, man, you whip open your wallet, <laughs> you know, or now, nowadays we got our smartphones, <laughs> we got 5,000 pictures. And it's like, oh, we love to talk about our grandkids. That's what we're supposed to do with the gospel. It's just supposed to be a part of our life. Somebody, I was with somebody the other day having a, a great lunch, and he asked me, you know, about my life, the things that are important in my life. And without hesitation, I said, oh, the most important thing in my life is my relationship with Jesus Christ. It was just natural. It wasn't like I wasn't preaching. It was just, and man, I have my kids, my family. It just was natural. If you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're called to be a missionary for God. You're called to reach the lost. You're called to be one of his ambassadors. Jesus told this story in Luke chapter 14. Great, great, great story. It says, a man prepared a great feast and he sent out many invitations when the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. But they all began to make excuses. One said, I just bought a field and I must inspect it. Please excuse me. The guy bought a piece of dirt. I gotta go look at a piece of dirt. Talk about lame excuses. I used to use some lame excuses. Why I didn't want Christ. Oh, I'd love to come, but uh, I got some dirt over there. I got to go look at it. Yeah, look at there. Yeah, that's some good dirt right there, man. Woo. <laughs> Another said, I've just bought five pair of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Try them out? What do you mean you're going to try them out? It's the third one that kind of makes some sense. <laughs> Please excuse me another said, I have a wife so I can't come. Now, uh, at, least, at, least, at least that one kind of reaches some level of, you know, okay, I get it, hey, I get it. I got one too, you know, I, I, I get it, you know. But I want you to know something, in that culture, let me tell you what, what, what we don't understand. In that culture right there, no man would have ever said that. Women had very few, they had no power, nothing. So that, that I want you to know, that, that's just as lame as the other two. I gotta go look at some dirt. I gotta go, you know, check out the oxen. Yeah, look at him, he's, he's big. And for someone to say, I, I, I have a wife, no. These were all lame excuses. The servant returned and told his master what they had said, and his master was furious and said, go quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, there's still room for more. They'd had some action, but there's room for more. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that my house will be filled. 
I want you to look at those last seven words so that the house will be full. That's the heart of God right there. He wants his house full. He wants it full. And we're the ones that are supposed to fill it. We're the ones that go out and do whatever it is we gotta do, do our best to tell people about Jesus Christ. There's gonna be a lot of go, nah, no nah, thanks, I, I gotta go do this, or nah, nah, I don't want any part of that, no. You know, later on maybe, when I get a little old, there's gonna be people who make all kinds of excuses, and you know what you do? You just go find someone else. You just keep going and keep talking about the Lord because he wants his house full. What's it full? In fact, this is so important to God that he said this in Acts chapter one. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. When, why do I need power? Why do I need God's power? And you will be my witnesses. You'll be my ambassadors. You'll be the ones who are out there making sure that the Father's house is full. In Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. God gave you his Holy Spirit to empower you to fill up his house. Now I want you to notice what God doesn't say in that verse. Okay, he doesn't say, will you please consider being my witnesses? Hey look, if you've got some time on your hands, I know you're busy. You know, you got your family, you got your job, you got your career. Would you, would you think about it? If you got like 10 minutes, would you pray about it? No, God doesn't do that. He doesn't say that. God says you will be my witnesses. You will. God's expectation is that you as a follower of Christ will be his witness and he promise to give you the power to pull it off. Now look, obviously some people are more skilled at it than others. Okay? I remember when I first gave my life to Jesus, it was right here at Big Valley Grace, and I often joke about, around about this. Look, if you're visiting here today and you don't know the Lord, you know, buckle your seatbelt. You may end up here someday, because that was my story. I literally was a new visitor at the church 35, 40 years ago. Didn't believe in God, the whole thing was kind of weird to me. And here I am now. Just an unbelievable, you know, thought. And I remember the first time there was a, 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 a speaker that our church brought in and uh, he laid out the gospel, and I just sat there in the front row and went, oh, dude, if I just had half that guy's data, if I could deliver that thing just half as well as he delivered it right there, oh, God, you'll be able to use me. Because I, 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 I had one message back then. I had one. I only knew one thing. I would meet up with friends of mine who I went to school with, and some of them are in this room right now, and I would go, hey, look, man, I just want to tell you something. You're going to hell. <laughs> I mean, that, that was a great conversation starter. 
Uh, but Jesus died for you, and if you give your life to him, you don't have to go there. That, that, was, that was all I knew. That's all I knew. And it was like, oh, okay, well, uh, you got anything else you want to talk about, Rick? No. Just want you to know you're going to hell. It's just, just want, at least you know when you walk out of here, you, you know where you're going. And I'm here to tell you, you don't have to go there. That's all I knew. And they would talk about things, you know, what about the Crusades? I don't know. I just know you're going to hell. That's all I know. Well, all the church wants is your money. Well, I don't know about that. I, I just know you're going to hell. That's all I know. And when you get there, you ain't gonna have your wallet anyway, so you might as well, you, 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 you might as well just give it up now anyway and let it do something good. You know, I, I didn't know anything. It wasn't necessarily the best tactic, but it's all I knew, and here's the, here's the bottom line. I know God used it. Now, that's no excuse for learning, getting better at it, so you can put a more coherent thought together. But it's God is the one who gives you the power you need, not, you know, not so you can become a better softball player or a better golfer, I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit can't, can't do that. But he, there's a purpose why you have the Holy Spirit. And one of the great ones is that you would have the power to pull this off. Ephesians chapter 3 says, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work in us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. And I have a couple of guys I do a Bible study with on on Wednesdays, and this was our memory verse last week, and it was really great because we got into a great discussion about the Word of God, this verse, how it practically plays itself out in our lives, in our marriages, in our families, and things like that. But here's the deal. <laughs> you got somebody on your list, you're thinking, man, I sure wish my Uncle Joe would come to know the Lord, but let me just tell you something. He's like the worst sinner on the planet, man. No one, he, there's no way he would ever give his life to Christ. You know what? You're thinking... Like, like human beings think. See, the Holy Spirit in you will give you the power to do something beyond anything you could ever think about. See? So Acts 1 tells us that one of our great responsibilities is, is that we're called to be a witness for God, but it also tells us something else, and Todd kind of made mention of it last week, it tells us where, to, where we're to witness at in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. And let me just kind of expand a little bit on what Todd said last week. What exactly does that mean? Does it mean that you're supposed to get on an airplane and fly over to Jerusalem to share your faith? No. When Jesus, uh, when, th when this was said, that they were in Jerusalem. So when the disciples heard this, it was obvious, just reach the people right here. The point is, is just start right where you're at. Your Jerusalem is your family. A lot of you have family members that don't know, don't know the Lord. Some of you have, you know, friends that don't know the Lord. You have coworkers that don't know the Lord. You have people that you play golf with who don't know the Lord. You have people you play bridge with who don't know the Lord. You got people in your reading club who don't know the Lord. 
It's those that you do life with. This is your Jerusalem. You start with the people closest to you. You start with people in your own sphere of influence, and that kind of makes sense. And then it says, go to Judea. Now, Judea was like the country. So what's our Judea? It might be like Stanislaus County. And our county has over 600,000 people in it. I wonder if there's any person within that group of 600,000 who might need Christ. A lot. And then he says, go to Samaria. Now the Samaritans were culturally and ethnically different than the disciples. And I believe the point here is that God wants you as one of his followers to go to people who are different than you. People who come from a different culture than yours, or people who speak a different language than you speak, people who come from a different ethnic group than you come from. Now, if you live here in Modesto, the chances are really good that you know somebody that comes from a different culture than you do or whatever, right? The last I heard, there were over 40 different languages spoke in our city schools. 40 different, and it's, the number might be higher than that. But, it, but that's just, for some of you, I know, I, you just went, whoa. So you don't have to go very far to get to your Samaria, does it? In some cases, it might be right next door to you. I remember when I was younger, I was married to my first wife, and we had bought this dog. And for those of you that are visiting, my first wife was killed in an automobile accident a long time ago. But we had this dog, it was a... It was a, like, a, like a basset hound kind of a thing. And uh, we had a neighbor who moved in and they took their door off. They were from a different ethnic background and they just put a curtain up with like, like little beads. And in that culture, uh, eating dogs, that was just part of their culture. I'm not, there's no joke. So one day our dog got out and I'm out there, hey, hey. Where are you? Scotty, Scotty, Scotty. And all of a sudden I went, well, well wait a minute. <laughs> you know, <laughs> maybe, maybe Scotty's in the neighbor's house. <laughs> you know, and I go running over there and banging on the door, you know, hey, uh, my dog in here? <laughs> Thinking it's lunch, you know, <laughs> it's lunchtime, you know. And uh, one of the things that was funny is we started talking about it. And Scotty showed back up and he said, you know, hey, I want you to know we don't eat dogs here. And I was like, oh, oh, I knew, I knew that. I, was, I wasn't worried one bit, you know. Good to know. <laughs> but that was part of my education. You know, I just figured, well, that's the way they do it over in their country, so maybe that's how they do it here. No. You don't have to go very far to find somebody who's just ethnically different than, 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 than you are. Um... Then God finally says, go to the ends of the world. Now for hundreds and hundreds of years, Christians couldn't pull this off because there wasn't any way of getting to the ends of the earth. In fact, there was a long period of our history where we didn't even know the world was round. So when Jesus said this, I mean, that was just this radical, what does that mean? How do you even pull that off? But today, going to the ends of the world is easy. In fact, everybody in this room could easily go on a short-term missions trip just about anywhere on the planet. I mean, you can get in the car and drive from one end of the state to the other and it would take you about 15 hours. You can get to Tokyo in about 10 hours. 
We're living in a way different time than, than when these words were, were written. Literally, with the internet, you know you can go all the way around the world sitting in your bedroom. I have conversations after Saturday night and Sunday morning with people who are watching online or they're listening online literally from all over the world. Unbelievable what modern technology can do. And we take advantage of it here. But that's no excuse for getting boots on the ground, so to speak. We, we got to get people in some of those remote areas that you can't even pronounce. I can't pronounce these areas where there are just not a lot of believers. There's, there's not, there's not, the word of God ain't like our homes. Like I told you last week, I think I got 30 of these in my home, five of my own. My wife's got five. My kids all have three. I got them in different versions. I, they finally wear out and I get a new one. They're all piled up. There are some places on the globe they, have, they don't even have one. They don't even have it in their language and thank God for our partners that are out there doing their best to tell people about Jesus. You need boots on the ground, but you know what? You can certainly pray, have conversations with friends that live literally all over the world. Now, let me do this. I got five minutes, and I just want to give you just a couple of practical things that you can do right here in Modesto, because the reality is most of us live here, we work here, we do life here, and I want to give you a few thoughts practically how you can be a great witness, be an ambassador for Jesus. Number one, live your life with excellence and do your job with excellence. Christians, just listen to me right now. Just listen. I don't even care if you write anything down. Just listen to me. Philippians chapter one says, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Yes, we need to open our mouths and talk about Jesus. But let me tell you something, when you open your mouth and talk about Jesus, your life better back up what you're saying. Your, your words and your life need to go hand in hand. You, 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 you gotta conduct yourself in a manner that's worthy of the good news. Paul here is, is encouraging you to live in a way that supports what you claim to be believe in. Doesn't matter how good you are at communicating the message of Jesus Christ, if you aren't living it out, you gotta be credible because you're, you're not, you know, if you're not credible, nobody's gonna listen to what you have to say. So what makes you credible at work, okay? Being a good worker makes you credible at work. There's a thought, Christian. Is that when you go to work, if you're five minutes early, you're 10 minutes late. A lot of business owners who go to church here, I talk with them. And I think one of the crummiest things I hear at times is, you know what, Christians are some of the worst workers. Rarely on time, punch in late, punch out early. Look, um, one of the great ways that you are an ambassador for Jesus is just showing up on time, busting your hump, 
living an ethical life. You don't trash the company, trash the boss, trash the manager. Ah, it's a crappy place to work, man. And, and you're the Christian. And the unsaved guys are going, man, what are you learning at church? I don't want to go to that church. Man, you're God. He, what kind of God is that? He, man, whew. Listen to me. And that's not to say we don't all have bad days, okay? I got my, a lot of my staff's in the room right now. And they can tell you I have bad days. I don't do it right. I don't do it all perfect. I don't always love the way I'm supposed to love. I tell you this all the time. I don't always, I don't always do it right. But they can tell you when I'm confronted with something, I'll go and make it right. We all need to be very careful how we conduct ourselves at the job. We need to live our lives with excellence, and we need to do our job with, with excellence, Okay. That way, you know, Christmas is right on top of us and we're gonna do this big thing and when you go to your friends and say, hey, come to our Christmas thing, come to our Christmas thing, come to our Christmas thing, they look at you and go, you know what, I don't know what it is about that dude. That's a solid guy though. Something different about that guy's life. Oh, I'm gonna go. I wanna see what his church is all about. I wanna see what this God guy is all about. Um. Number two, love and enjoy non-Christians. One of the things that can happen is, is that we just get ourselves isolated and you know, we only hang out with Christians. And, and by the way, I hang out with a lot of Christians. There's nothing wrong with that, but we have to be careful that we just don't hang out with Christians and we do life with Christians and everything we do is Christians and we only have meals with Christians. And you know, as I joke around, we only have drink milk from a Christian cow. And, and, then, and then before you know it, it's like, dude, man, we're just like useless. Remember, we're supposed, Jesus was sent to seek and save the lost, and then he sends us into that too. And so we have to be very careful. 2 Timothy chapter 1 says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a, but a, a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. So don't be ashamed to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me as his, his prisoners. Look, here's the deal. Love them. Love people. It doesn't freak me out when somebody who's lost acts like a lost person. They're lost. I don't expect lost people to act like Christian people. I, I get it, people are lost. I don't expect a, a non-Christian company to act like a Christian company. you hear me? Let me tell you something. A red cup is not an ambassador for Jesus. Okay, you are the ambassador for Jesus. You see, you see that? And some of you don't get it, and that's fine. But, but I, I, it's been interesting to me to go, oh, huh. Just, you're the ambassador. You are. Now, I understand the concern. I understand the concern of where our culture's going. I get that. I understand all that. 
And there can be some of that can be troubling where you see where our culture is going. Don't, don't be afraid of non-saved people and how they talk and what they talk about and what's important to them. Just love them. Enjoy being around them, knowing that you're the ambassador. You're the one who's there to say, come back to God. You're it. You're, you're the one. And, and number three, be ready for the opportunities that God brings to share the good news. Colossians chapter four says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. And here's the thing, you gotta be ready. Because here's the deal, God's gonna bring things into your life before tonight's over with. He's gonna bring moments in your neighborhood, moments at your job, moments when you're walking a dog through your neighborhood. And you wanna be ready for those moments to be the ambassador that God wants you to be. And you may only have one message, and that is, hey, I just want you to know, one of the great things about church is, I know I'm not going to hell anymore. <laughs> hey, I'll tell you what, I'll take that any day of the week. Then nothing. You see, some of you have set the bar so high, well, I'm not gonna share anything until I have it all down. I can answer all the things and have all the theological responses. And, you know, just, just, just open your mouth. Just, t just talk about what you know. Don't worry about what you don't know kind of a thing. Well, okay, here, here, here's the deal. We're all in with this. All of us are called to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ. All of us are. All of us. Some of you are ambassadors for Jesus, cleverly disguised as a teacher. Some of you are ambassadors for Jesus Christ, cleverly disguised as a salesperson. Some of you are ambassadors for Christ, cleverly disguised as a business owner, or a realtor, or a homemaker, or a student, or a farmer. Some of you are ambassadors for Jesus, cleverly disguised as a doctor, or an accountant, or a stockbroker. I'll end with this thing right here. You're an ambassador for Jesus Christ, cleverly disguised as a, I don't know what you do. I don't know what it is. I know what some of you guys do, but I don't know. You fill in that blank. You, you're an ambassador for the Lord. So everybody, everybody stand up. And I just want you to close your eyes for just a moment. And, and, and here's what I'd like for you to do. I just want you to think for a second. Don't pray, just, just with your eyes closed, just think. I want you to think about the name of one person that you have had the privilege of leading to Christ. You met with them, prayed with them, prayed for them. Maybe you had to meet with them for months, years. But there came a moment and God gave you the honor and the privilege to lead them in some sort of prayer. 
where they surrendered their life to Christ. Just think about one person. Some of you, I know it's a lot, but just got, one, got that one person in your mind? For those of you that have that one person in your mind, was that one of the most thrilling moments ever? Just to be used in that capacity. Some of you probably can't think of anybody. And here's the deal. Maybe let this moment be an encouraging moment for you to say, you know what? Lord, I want to pray that maybe, God, you would use me. I want to be a better ambassador for you. Use me, God. Give me the chance to pray with somebody. But everybody right now as your eyes are closed, I want you to think of one soul, somebody in your family, someone in your neighborhood, somebody you work with, they're in the cubicle next to you, somebody you golf with, whatever, and you know they don't know the Lord. You know it. You got that person, got that name locked into your brain? Father, thank you, Lord, for this chance that we've had to be together here. And man, I've really dug the singing and Man, that video was just really great, honoring our vets here. Thank you for all of them, Lord. I, I pray, God, for all of the, the souls in Paris and the mess that's there and the carnage. May the Christians in Paris rise up and be the hands and feet of Christ in that horrible situation, Lord. Thank you, God, for Ted and his family being here. I've enjoyed that. But most of all, God, I've enjoyed your presence here with us, enjoyed your word, the challenge that it is to us. God, may that one name that we have etched into our brains right now rattle around in our minds, God. May you use the people in this room somehow, some way. Share this unbelievable message of love and hope and redemption with them. Thanks, Jesus, for your goodness, and I pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, amen. amen.